Christ has in store for us a great separation, doesn't he? But I don't know about you, when I think of separations, I usually think of tearful ones. Oftentimes in this world, our separations are not causes for joy and excitement. We don't look forward to being parted. We look on it with fear. We don't want to be parted from those things that we love. Separations are often, in this world, a cause for tears. But not always, are they? There are times when it is good to be separated. When that cancerous tumor is removed from the body, nobody cries and says, put it back. I was just getting to know that tumor. There are such separations that bring us joy and happiness. It's one thing to be fired from your job when you don't want to go, but it's quite another thing when at the end of a long career you can hang it up, you can retire and separate yourself from the job. Separations are often a cause of sadness, but not always. It all depends on what you're being separated from. I want to put an image in your mind here at the beginning of the sermon, because I think so often we are confused about what sort of separation that last day will be. We hear about fire consuming everything. We hear about things being divided, the sheep from the goats, and we can't help but be a little bit on edge. And yet Christ speaks of that separation so that you would have joy, so that you would look forward to that day, not with fear and terror, not saying, oh, geez, I hope Jesus never comes back because I don't want to be separated from any of these things. Christ wants you to look ahead to that day with joy, with hope, with eagerness. He wants you to want that separation. So think this morning of a pond, right? I don't mean a nice, clear lake. I mean a dirty, mucky bog. Think of taking a sample out of that pond and putting it in a nice glass of water and then taking a long, slow drink. The slime, the scum, the muck, the mire that would be in that water would bring no happiness to you, would it? You'd see that water sitting in the glass, and you'd see it all mixed in, all murky-like in there, and you would wish that you had a filter. You would wish that you could wait a little while, at least for the sediment to sink out, so that you could separate the nice, clear, cool water from all the gunk. One summer, I worked at a water bottle factory. I was, um, I don't know how I got this job. I think it's because my dad knew someone who worked in quality control. And I worked that summer uh, in quality control, and my job was every hour to go out to each of the lines, there were eight of them, and to take a sample of the water. Then I had to bring it back to the uh, lab, I guess we'll call it a lab, and I had to put it in this little jar and put it into a machine, and the machine would read out how much sediment was in there. Now, when I looked at that water, it didn't look like a murky pond sample. There was never scum, there was never nastiness in that water, but there'd be times when you'd put a nice clear file of water into the machine and it would spit out a number that would surprise us. Because even when it looked clear, there was all kinds of stuff mixed in there. Now, the reason I want you to have that image in your mind is because that is what life in this world is like. We live in a murky world, and even when things seem clear, even when everything is going great and wonderful, it's still polluted. 
There are still all kinds of things in the water, so to speak. And if we are not careful, if we don't look at what's in the water, if we don't inspect what's actually there, we'll drink all that sludge down and it will become part of us. The joy of the last day, the joy that we are looking forward to, is that there will be crystal water to drink. There will be water that doesn't come out of a pond, that's not full of scum and muck and mire, and it won't even be that we're drinking ice mountain water that's been filtered through charcoal and goodness knows whatever else we filtered that through. Christ is coming at the end, and what he has in store for you is pure water. Come to me. Christ says, and I will give you the water of life. Now, I put that image in your mind, not just because on the last day, Jesus is going to say, here, finally, have a drink of water, but all of our life, do you see, all of our life will be like that. All of our life will be pure and clear and crystal. There won't be any sediment in there left at all. Everything will be perfect and clear. But presently, we live in muddled water, don't we? We live in that pond. We live in that scummy, mucky, miry bog. The present world that we live in is full of confusion. It's all mixed together. And Jesus told us that it would be like this, didn't he? Jesus told us that the kingdom of heaven would not mean immediate separation. He put it this way. He said that the kingdom of heaven will be like a man who goes out and plants his field full of wheat and the crop grows up, but in the nighttime, an enemy will come and sow weeds among the wheat. Jesus warned his disciples long ago and he has told us in his word quite clearly what to expect. In this world, we will not have perfect clarity. In this world, we will not have crystal clearness in the world around us, in the church, or even within our own hearts. There will be weeds in the wheat, so to speak. But Jesus does promise that the day is coming when the weeds will be separated from the wheat. The day is coming when all of the sediment that's in that water will be taken away. The day is coming when the sheep will be separated from the goats. Now, that might sound strange to us, That might not sound all that joyful because we've gotten used to how things are, haven't we? When you get used to weeds in the wheat, when you get used to goats among the sheep, it doesn't seem all that bad. And the world around us wants to reinforce that message, doesn't it? We are told time after time after time that the best thing is to be diverse. Diversity is our strength. Lots of different opinions is good. Don't have things crystal clear. Don't have things black and white. What you really want is all kinds of shades of gray. What you really want is all that sediment mixed into your water, see? Because those are all good minerals for you. You don't want clarity. You want cloudiness. You want murkiness. But Christ Jesus does not want us to live in a constantly coexisting world. Christ Jesus does not want us to be mixed and muddled with truth and with error. He does not want evil to always be right beside the righteous. Christ Jesus has in store for us clarity. Christ Jesus has in store for us perfection. Christ Jesus has in store for us light without darkness. Christ Jesus has in store the wheat gathered into the barn and the chaff separated far, far away. Christ Jesus has in store for you a world, a kingdom, he said, 
where there will no longer be a mixture. There will no longer be a muddling of things. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine, but Christ Jesus wants you to imagine it, dear friends, so that you would not fall, so that you would not fall into despair. You heard that in our epistle reading. The scoffers will come in the last day, and they will scoff at the promise of his coming. They will scoff that we would expect there to be a day where light will shine forever and ever, because they'll say, well, it just isn't ever going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, and so it's never, never going to happen. It's easy to slip into that despair, isn't it? It's easy to slip into, well, this is all that we have, and so we might as well make the most of this world. We might as well enjoy it now. We might as well just get used to all of the errors that are sown among the truth. But Christ wants you to know, he wants you to hope for the day when clarity will reign, when all of the muck and all of the mire of this world will be taken away and only his word will shine. But we're not there yet, are we? You heard how Jesus spoke about this present age, not in a parable about weeds and wheats, but you heard him talk about what happens in this world. In this age, we experience all kinds of sufferings and afflictions, don't we? We are those who Jesus calls the least of these his brothers. His Christians are those who he calls his brothers. And what an honor it is to be called brother by Jesus, because Jesus doesn't use that term lightly, right? Jesus isn't Hulk Hogan calling everybody brother. When Jesus calls you his brother, it is a great privilege. It is a great honor. It is the gift of his grace that lifts you from being a slave and puts you right beside him as a brother. And yet his brothers... His brothers and sisters in this world experience all kinds of muck, don't we? How did he put it? He said that in this world, we will have sufferings. In this world, we will have afflictions. We will be hungry. We will be thirsty. We will be sick. We will be persecuted. We will be slandered. Don't be surprised when these things come upon you. And don't even be surprised, dear friends, when you, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, the least of these, his disciples, experience in yourself some of that cloudedness. Our own eyes get clouded. We get confused in this world. We don't see things the way that God wants us to see things. And so we hear Christ's teaching and we think, well, but wouldn't it be better, Jesus, if, you know, some of these other things were true? We experience that confusion in the world around us, and we experience that confusion even still in our own hearts. Temptations come and we fall. Temptations come and we sin. And if we are not careful, we will simply say, that's the way it's always going to be. But Christ has in store for you a separation from all of that. Christ has in store for you a separation, not only from the sin around you, but he has in store for you a separation from even the sin that is within you. That is the hope, and nothing short of that is the hope that he wants proclaimed in your ears so that you would not fall into despair. Christ has before us a future separation of glory. The sheep from the goats And we will be given then, Jesus says, not just a pasture. That's what we would expect him to say. But listen again to the promise of Jesus. He says to those who he separates out on his right to the sheep. He says this even before he starts talking about their works, mind you. He says to those who believe in him, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit not a farm, but the kingdom 
How great is our Lord Jesus that he gives to sheep, not a pasture, but a kingdom. And Jesus won't say anything short of a kingdom. In the beginning, he gave us a garden, but in the end, he will bring us to a kingdom. Jesus wants you to have this vision in your mind. He wants you to have the grandeur of that day, the majesty of his kingdom in your hearts, so that you would not settle for anything less. Christ has not come to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. He has come to bring us into his kingdom. That kingdom that he won for us by his blood. That kingdom that he earned for us by his perfect life and his perfect death. And that kingdom that he promises to us now and gives us a foretaste of in his holy sacraments. Christ is bringing us to that day. And on that day, you will be separated. You will be separated from all the muck and all the mire. But the goats, the goats will not be with us. The goats will be separated from the sheep. And most importantly, they will be separated from Jesus. You heard him put it this way when he got to the goats. He said, depart from me. See, that is the final curse, to be apart from Jesus. Heaven and hell is not so much a matter of what place you're in, what your surroundings are, but heaven and hell is about who you are with or who you are not with. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus, and what makes hell hell is to be apart from Jesus. And so what he promises to those goats in the end is that they will get what they wanted. They will get to have life without Jesus. For he was with them all the time and they ignored him. He was with them all the time and they despised him. He was with them all the time and they didn't want him, so they won't have him in the end. What will life be like for those goats? I don't know. I don't know, but it will be the conclusion, the fitting conclusion to what their lives have been in this world. What your life will be is something much different. For Christ has not made you his Christians so that you can expect to be cursed. Christ has made you his Christians so that you can expect eternity with him. And so it's fitting, isn't it, that he doesn't go on to describe what the kingdom will all be like. He doesn't describe the settings that will be all around us. He simply says, you will be with me. And that's enough for us, isn't it? It is enough for us to be with Jesus, because with Jesus there is clarity, with Jesus there is hope, with Jesus there is forgiveness, with Jesus there is life. That's the future that Christ has prepared for us, and he wants you to have that picture crystal clear. He wants there to be no doubt about what he has prepared for you, so that you can live in this present muddy time with clarity already now. Jesus doesn't come and snap his fingers and fix all of our problems. He starts with you. He starts with your heart. He starts with your eyes. And he tells you what to expect in the end when everything will be clear so that in the present time when everything is murky and muddy and slimy, you would have clarity. Clarity about what is going on in this world around us. Clarity about what he wants you to do. Clarity about who he is and what he promises to do for you, not just at the end, but what he promises to you already now. See, here's the great beauty of this passage, that not only does Jesus say, in the end, you will be with me, but he says, already now, you who are the least of these, my brothers and sisters, I am with you already now. Isn't that the promise buried there? 
He says to those sheep, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And they say, when did that happen, Jesus? We never saw you. And yet here's this wonderful promise that whatever we do to the least of these, his brothers, we do to him because he is with us. See, in holy baptism, Christ has joined you to himself. And though you can't see it, though you might not feel it, though everything else around you might tell you, God has left you. Christ is not with you. You have his sure and certain promise that I am with you always to the end of the age, that I will never leave you or forsake you, that those who I have made my brothers, I will be with forever. And so even in your present situation, even in the muck and the mire, your Lord is with you. Jesus doesn't, isn't afraid of the mud. He isn't afraid of the slime. He isn't afraid of the pond scum. He is with us in the midst of it. He is with us in the midst of it to give us hope. He is with us in the midst of it to give us courage. And he is with us in the midst of our suffering so that we would never despair. But he also has in store for us royal service already now. Isn't this the joy of life in this present mucky, murky time? That Jesus doesn't just leave us in the sludge and say, well, I hope you survive. But he's with us and he gives us work to do already now. And that work is not drudgery, right? That work is not like me sitting in a lab in, uh, where was I, Big Rapids, Michigan, with no real idea what I was doing there in that lab. I was just taking samples and putting it in, in a machine and seeing if it read out the right numbers. Christ has given you royal service to do. For whatever you do to the least of these, his Christians, you do to him. Do you want to serve Jesus? Do you want to be with Jesus forever? Then find him. Find him in his holy Christians. Do not neglect those who are around you. Do not neglect even those who are the least among us for Christ. Christ does not neglect them, but he says, they are my brothers, they are my sisters, they are my dear disciples. It is never, never a small thing to serve our brothers and sisters, for when we serve them, we are doing royal work. We are doing the work that will occupy us forever in the resurrection, the work of love the work of grace, the work of holy charity. That also means, that also means that when you are suffering, when you are suffering, you are the object. You are the object of someone else's royal work. We all like to be the subject, right? We like the feeling that it gives us when we do something good for someone else. But even in your suffering, even when you are left without any agency anymore in this world, Christ is still with you. And those who serve you, those who serve you are serving him. So don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed when you need help. Don't be ashamed when you are sick and someone else has to serve you. Don't be too proud and say, no, 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 I can manage on my own quite fine. For Christ has in store for you even then that you are the object of his dear saints. I can remember that when my father-in-law was at the very end of his life, The pastor came over to the house and he was talking to my mother-in-law and my father-in-law was sick. He was towards the very end. He had cancer. He died of cancer. And he was telling the pastor that uh, one of the saddest things was that he couldn't do anything anymore. He couldn't do the things that he used to be able to do. And that pastor pointed to this passage and said to him, yes, Dan, that's true. But see what you're giving to your family? You're giving them the opportunity for royal service for holy work. 
And of course, to him, that (laughs) still was sad. And to the family, that still didn't really register. But he was right. I tell you, that pastor was so right. Even when you are sick, even when you are on your deathbed, Christ is still with you. And those who serve you then are doing holy work. They are doing holy work. Let us never be too proud to refuse work from the saints, for Christ has arranged it just this way. Returning to that muddly, mired picture, that muddy, miry bog in this world, we have clarity. We have clarity about what our Lord Jesus has in store for us, that great and final separation, that separation from sin and death and hell. And because we have that hope, because we have that clarity about what is to come, we live with clarity already now. May Christ give you that vision. May Christ give you that clarity today and always. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.